It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. During the interview with Paula Weir, we realized that we not only share our first name, but we also share another very special name. Paula has had some wonderful angels in her life to help her on her quilting journey, which also shows how wonderful our quilting community is. I love how she explains that these were extremely gracious ladies, and also that she herself had to be open to receive the information that they shared. So glad to get to talk to another Paula today. Paula, let's start by having you tell me about your name. Okay. Thank you for the invitation to speak with you today. I really appreciate it. Yes, my name. I didn't love my name growing up. I was the only Paula in my school. I thought my name was a curse. I was always in trouble, always naughty always in detention, always staying after school. I was convinced that I was a Kathy or a Leslie or a Nancy, that I would have a much different life than if I was a Paula. So I did not love my name. I know there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way about their names. Yes. I was always intrigued that I didn't run into too many Paulas. Yes, that's not until I was an adult. Well, let's jump to where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario. It's a typical middle class. My dad had his own business. I had an older sister and a younger brother. And do you have a special childhood memory? I don't really have a special childhood memory, no. My brother being born, he's six years younger than me. That was pretty special. Did you get to take care of him often? A lot, yes. I bet you have a special bond then. I do, yes. Neat. Share with me about some of the jobs you've had. So I didn't go to college. I married young. I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia when I was young. I had two children by the time I was 25 put my ex-husband through school and left my ex-husband by the time I was 30 and moved to Waterloo, Ontario, met my current husband and we raised my two children here in Waterloo and we have two grandchildren, Winter, who's four and Arthur, who's almost two. They live about two and a half hours north of us. And my son and his wife live here in Waterloo, Ontario. I didn't have a career per se. I worked jobs just to put food on the table for my family. Worked for some insurance companies locally. Had the opportunity to work for BlackBerry for a number of years. And I just retired three years ago. Cool. Besides quilting, do you do any other crafts or hobbies? No, I doubled in cross-stitch years ago, but I didn't really have a hobby. Even growing up, I wasn't a sports person. I wasn't 
a nerd. I didn't really find an interest. I didn't really have any kind of hobby. Even growing up, my grandmother sewed and my grandmother was a great baker, but she didn't really take any of us under her wing or show us any of those tips. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, she was a great baker. And I can remember even asking her if we could help take the cookies off the cookie sheet when they came out of the oven. I don't even think she allowed us in the kitchen. I think we were allowed to stay in the doorway and watch. She wouldn't let us take the cookies off the cookie sheet because we might break one. And cookies were expensive. and She didn't want us to break one of the cookies. She was not somebody that was uh, warm and fuzzy at all. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, too, that she sewed. And I'm pretty sure she made quilts. But she never, like, showed us. I don't remember her even doing it. I don't have a vision of her doing it. It was my grandfather that spent the time with us. Oh, wow. He would take us tobogganing and ice skating, and he put up a pool in the summer forest in the backyard. He was a train engineer. He'd take us down to the train tracks and let us ride in the engine, and he was fun. Oh, how cool. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Well, I attended this quilt exhibit. It was just actually a couple blocks from my house at the Seagram's Museum. Seagram's is the distillery, right? The people that make the whiskey. Okay. And it's actually just a couple blocks from my house. So the actual distillery was hosting a quilt exhibit. Waterloo is Mennonite country. It's huge quilt mecca. They have a big quilt exhibits and they have the Mennonite relief sale every year where they raise funds by having an auction for quilts. Anyways, so I wanted to go to this quilt exhibit and I saw this quilt hanging up. It's called Magic Tiles by Kathleen Bisson. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And I whispered in my husband's ear, I need to learn how to make that quilt. And he was just laughing because he knew I didn't even know how to thread a needle. It spoke to me. It just stopped me in my tracks. And my daughter at the time was a swimmer with the local swim club. And a lady that her son swam as well, she always had some type of hand sewing with her. And I started chatting her up and telling her about this exhibit that I went to see. And she knew about it because she was part of the guild that put that exhibit together. And so she knew exactly the quilt I was talking about. And she kept saying, oh, you could do it. And she was very confident, very kind. And she kept repeating, oh, you could totally do that. And so I left there that day thinking, wow, maybe I could. And I saw an ad a Canadian Living Magazine that you could order this kit. It was a pre-printed piece of queen-size fabric for a hand applique quilt kit that you could order. And so I brought it to the next swim lesson, and I showed it to her, and I think it was around $50. And she said, oh, you should order that. Just order that. I'll show you what to do. And I was like, really? You think I could do this? I, like, I've never sewn before. She was like, oh, I'll walk you through it. You can do it. It'll be fine. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I wanted to make it for my parents' anniversary. And so I ordered it, and I brought it to her house. 
And when I got to her house, her son, it was Saturday morning, her son, who was about five or six at the time, was coming down the stairs and he was dragging this quilt behind him. He was going to go to the den and watch Saturday morning cartoons. He was dragging this quilt behind him, like just dragging it across the floor, this gorgeous quilt. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this child is doing this. So I was like, I want to do that. I want my kids to be able to like drag quilts around. That's like just amazing. So anyway, she laid this whole thing out. So she showed me how to make a template and how to cut the pieces out and how to pencil them onto this piece of fabric. That was the most cumbersome part of the whole process was you were constantly trying to manhandle this big queen size piece of fabric. But I got it done and I found a local group that would quilt it for me. So I got it done and she was like, the next one will be easier. We'll do them in 10-inch blocks. So you'll only have to carry around a 10-inch piece. Her name was Carol Plue, and she was my angel. She was the person that was responsible for showing me. And I mean, she is just incredible. She designs clothing. She moved from quilts to designing her own clothing, and she designed quilts. And oh, she's just like an incredible person. She just kind of floated into my life at that period of time and just made me believe that like anything was possible and then just floated out and I've seen her a couple of times over the years because she still lives locally she just has this big beautiful smile with these beautiful blue eyes and she always just like is gracious and she says oh you did it yourself I just gave you the tools and showed you what to do and you did it all and she's so gracious she showed me take this class and take that class. And I just took some classes and tried to glean all the tips that people showed me over the years. That's really how I got started. And I tried to to hide all the things that I didn't know how to do and the things that I didn't understand. I had no idea what a fat quarter was. I was going to figure it out. And that's really how I got started. On me. What a special lady. Oh, I think that sometimes angels just come into your life for a reason. And she came into my life to this day. I still get excited when I touch fabric or I see fabric. Like, it truly was magic. It truly, like, spoke to me. Everybody wants something or to find something that they're good at. Like I said, I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to hem a pair of jeans or, you know, if I need something, I take it to the tailor. I don't really know how to sew sew. I don't make things. I don't make little nightgowns for my granddaughter. I don't sew those kinds of things. I have a little chicken that's a pin cushion mm-hmm. that my granddaughter just is obsessed with. She just loves my chicken pin cushion. So a couple of weeks ago, I decided to go on YouTube to see if I could find a pattern to make one for her. And I found one. And so I thought, oh, how difficult can this be? I'm going to make her a pin cushion. Well, I did. I copied it and I made her one. And I'm like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, you're such a tool. I don't really sew. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a chicken pin cushion. And I made it. And I think she's going to love it. But it just makes me laugh as I'm doing it because I'm all thumbs 
last Christmas, I tried to make a couple Christmas ornaments for her and Arthur for the Christmas tree. And you should see me. I feel like I have Timbu for fingers because <laughs> I can make a quilt for their bed, but I don't know. I'm not really good with stuff like that. And some other people have helped you along the way. Tell me about the Mennonite ladies. Yes. In my very early days, I met these amazing two ladies. We were at this local quilt shop at the sale table looking for fabric. And I was still trying to learn how to pull colors together. It's a challenge when you're first learning to pull fabric together. So they were really nice. They were helping me and they were just quizzing me because they knew I was still learning and knew I was telling them about different little mistakes that I was making in my early days of my hobby. Like, you know, when you have white on white fabric and my sewing room doesn't have very good lighting. And so a couple of times I had sewed the white on white upside down in the quilt and I had left it that way. And my friend Pat was just shocked that I didn't rip it out and fix it, but put it back in there the correct way. And the ladies were laughing and they were like, oh, it doesn't sound like you're a perfectionist. And I was like, oh, no, nothing could be further from the truth. I am not a perfectionist at all. My friend Pat, again, if the roses have to go all a certain way, she will fussy cut and make them all a certain way. And I will not buy the fabric with the roses if that's the way that they have to go. I will pick another fabric. So they were having a really good time poking fun at me. And they said that they were thrilled to hear that I wasn't a perfectionist because they felt then that I was really going to enjoy this hobby, that I was really going to have a good time with this hobby and that that's what the whole point of a hobby is, is to have fun, the joy of it, that you're not supposed to be fighting with it or spending six hours ripping something out because you're frustrated and you just not having a good time. You're just not thrilled with what you're doing. I never forgot that. And sometimes when I'm a little bit frustrated, I'll lay out what I'm working with on my bed and I'll shut my bedroom door and then I'll leave it for half an hour and I'll go back in and I'll have another look at it and I'll see right away, oh, wait a minute, that's what I'm missing. My layout isn't the right way and I'll be able to pinpoint it right away, just having stepped away from it for a little bit. I always sit with those Mennonite ladies on my shoulder thinking about just that tip that they gave me, that you have to remember the fun, the joy of your hobby, that it's not meant to frustrate you or make you crazy. My daughter-in-law is just an amazing sewer, like just Oh, the quilts she makes are just breathtakingly beautiful. But she's a perfectionist. Her points are just, oh, pristine and beautiful. And that's not my area of expertise. Her geese are just, oh, those geese are flying perfect. And my geese are not so perfect. But it brings her joy. So if that's what makes her happy, and all the power to her, you know? Mm-hmm. But you have to know your lane, know what your strengths are. Describe your favorite quilt. Well, my favorite quilt is actually the first quilt that I made for myself. 
It's a non-traditional fabric choice using a traditional applique pattern. So I think it's a Boston common traditional pattern, but the fabric I chose is kind of crazy. It's like Hawaiian greens and yellows and oranges, and it's really kind of crazy. And again, this was way back in my early days when I was just experimenting and trying to learn color and who I was when it came to color and fabric. I didn't know how to pull my blocks together. And so I had asked this really nice lady, Loretta, in a local fabric shop if she would help me pull the quilt together. And she agreed and she said I could come in on a Saturday when there was no classes in session in the back room and set up and she would help me between customers. So I did that and she came back in the room and took one look at my blocks and I'm pretty sure she rolled her eyes. She was just like shocked by what she saw and she was kind enough to try to pull some different fabric selections to try and calm the quilt down, if you will. Not me. I'm out in the shop trying to pull yellows and pinks and whatever off the shelf. And she really had her hands full with me that day. I finally started to listen to her of what she was trying to accomplish. What she ended up doing was just like nesting the blocks together. And then we pulled just a solid green that would sit on the edge of the mattress and then a huge white sashing for the border that the lady hand quilted a beautiful quilting pattern around the edge. I don't have a queen-size mattress in my house anymore. My daughter-in-law does, so I'll probably scoot that over to her house. But it just sits on the bed beautifully, and I love that quilt because it reminds me of all the lessons that Loretta taught me that day about color and about how it lays on the bed. It's about how it sits and about how when you walk in the room, it just reminds me of that day and all the lessons that I learned from her and the patience that she had with me. She was so kind. I wrote her the most heartfelt thank you note because she just showed me that compassion And she never judged me. She never once made me feel like Looney Tune for all the colors and the crazy fabrics that I chose. I really, really appreciated and learned so much from her that day. You've run into some very, very neat people. I think that I run into some very neat people, but I also think that I was really open to like listening to them. I never tried to be a bull in a china shop. I think that when you're a new learning person, it's really important to be open, to not act like you know everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you lean toward a certain color palette? When I look at all the quilts on my quilt rack, I don't think that I do, but I think that If I could choose, I really like blues. Like, I really like indigos. I really like anything in the blue family is really sort of my first choice. I really miss 
old motor from like 2000. How about a favorite tool? I really like basting glue because just a little goes such a long way. I have a little package of toothpicks that I always keep in my box. And you can just take a little tip of your toothpick and just dab it in the basting glue with just a little touch of your iron. And then as soon as you put a little water on it, it comes right off. Hmm. So I really love just a little bit of basting glue. Just if you want to even just hold something there for a bit, you don't want to sew it or something just to see if that's where you want it. I really love that. I have quite a few tips. Can I share quite a few tips? Is that okay? Yeah. Share with me some more tips. I love taking a photo of something that I'm working on. So if I'm working on a block, let's say, and I'm not really sure if I'm loving the block or if I'm loving the layout, anytime I'll take a picture with my phone. And honest to Pete, if you look at it on your phone, it looks totally different than it does with your eye. I don't know why, but it happens every time. And sometimes I can find the mistake on my phone that I've looked at that thing a hundred times with my eye and I don't see the mistake with my eye. It's the funniest thing. Mm -hmm. The other tip that I have is, again, I don't think it was those ladies that told me that about the perfectionist, but I'm pretty sure... It was back in that same early days. Somebody told me to take a photo of everything I make and to label and number everything I make. And I have done that from day one. And I have 134 quilts. Wow. And I have a book. So I just went to the store and just bought a photo album book that I write them all in. And I'm so grateful to that person, whoever it was that told me to do that, because I thought it was just a great idea. And a label can just be something just as simple as just a little square of the same fabric that I just write the number and the date. doesn't have to be like a long love letter, but I write a label in every single one. Neat. If you're unsure when you're first learning about selecting fabric, is to stick to the same company. So let's say stick to Moda, stick to the same designer, like stick to the same grouping, and it helps you build your confidence. And then that way, if you run out to, you can always just buy something from that same grouping and add to it just until you build up your confidence of just pulling random things together. Somebody gave me that advice way in my early days, and that really helped me. I don't have an easy time making quilts for others. That's not really something I do easily mm-hmm. because I have trouble sewing things if I don't love the fabrics. If you sew for others, sometimes you don't get to choose. Mm-hmm. But that's personal preference. I remember 
being in a quilt store just recently and the lady was asking the store owner a question about she was making her daughter a t-shirt quilt and I looked at the lady and I said I'm so sorry that it's COVID because I'd really like to give you a hug because I would never make a t-shirt quilt I don't care how much I love my daughter (laughs) and the lady started laughing (laughs) it's just my personal thought yeah it's uh, very difficult to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your favorite part of the quilting process. Well, I send everything out to be quilted. I always have. So for the first 10 years, a fabulous Mennonite lady, Leon Haggerty, used to hand quilt everything for me. She did an amazing job. She used to just be at a local market here in Waterloo. That's how I found her. She's the sweetest lady. And we used to go on Saturdays. She would call me Friday night and let me know that I had a pickup the next morning. So my husband and I would go. My husband said it was always the best thing when we would be unpacking the quilt to look at her face, watching my face as we unpacked the quilt to see what my reaction was. Because often I would start crying when I saw it. Because to me, when you see the finished quilt, when it's quilted, it just looks so different. It's like a whole other present. The quilt top is one thing, but when it's quilted, it's like a whole other piece of art. And she always used to look at my husband for reassurance, because <laughs> she was never sure if I was crying because I didn't like it or if I liked it. And then I switched because I was nervous. She was getting really old, mm-hmm. and I was really nervous. So I switched to various machine quilting services. So my favorite part of the process has always been from day one, the binding. Because I always find the binding is like my way of saying goodbye. Because oftentimes when I'm making the quilt, I don't know who I'm making it for at the beginning. Sometimes the quilt just talks to me and it decides halfway through who the owner is. So sometimes when I'm binding, it's doing that at that point. It's telling me who the quilt is going to. And then I'm putting the label on, I'm snipping threads. I'm inspecting it, and then now it's going to the washer and dryer. So I always feel like that binding part is sort of the saying goodbye. Even if it's staying with me, it's still the end part. So that's still my favorite part. Do you have a worst quilting experience? I've had some disappointments and some people that didn't leave a great impression. But I don't think I've had some worse quilting experience. I have an unusual quilting experience. I have um, a lady who's done my machine quilting for pretty much the last four or five years, and I've never met her. I thought that you might find that a little yeah. interesting. I found her through a quilt shop that is in a small town very close to my daughter. And my daughter, I said, is about two, two and a half hours away. I just found her through the owner of the quilt shop. And what I do is I drop off my quilt top and the backing. 
Kathy supplies the bashing. And I drop it off at the quilt shop. And the, the owner, Sue, delivers it to Kathy's at her home. And then Kathy does the quilting and drops it back off at the shop. And then I pick it up at the shop. And then I email her my payment. And the transaction is complete. And if I want something special or specific, then I just email her and I say, hey, I'm getting this quilt ready for you. I saw this pattern online. I really like this kind of quilting. Do you think that this is possible? Could you do this? And then she'll get back to me and it'll be done that way. I don't pick the thread. I don't pick the quilting. I just drop it. And I know that it sounds really odd and kind of mysterious. And my daughter-in-law thinks it's the most bizarre thing she's ever heard of. And I can honestly tell you that she's done close to 15, 16 quilts of mine. Wow. And Paula, she does the most beautiful work. And her prices are fabulous. And I know it sounds like the most bizarre thing. But you know what? I'm kind of one of those old-fashioned people that it's hard to find someone that does work that you so enjoy i know and like i said when i've asked her for something specific like i like i love that clamshell so i messaged her a couple summers ago and i was like i really love this and she'll get right back to me within like usually an hour she'll be like okay well i've tried this out and you need to give me some more room on the border. She's so accommodating. I can't even say enough nice things about her. I don't know. It just kind of works for me. It's not a worst quilting experience, but I think it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> like you said, very unique. Why do you think you make quilts? I know that this might sound a little cliche, but feel like I have to. There's something inside of me like it speaks to me. I don't feel like I did 20 years ago where I needed to sew because I was stressed at work. Like sewing was my meditation. I had maybe a small little corner in my master bedroom where I sewed and maybe I squeezed in an hour a day kind of thing. And I love the meditative side of sewing. I don't feel that way anymore now that I've retired, that I can come up here to my sewing room whenever I want to. So I don't feel that drive, that need to sew anymore. Now it's just sheer pleasure. If I want to come up here to sew for an hour or for four hours, I can choose whichever. But there's just something about it I love that people get to enjoy what I do, the hobby that I get to enjoy as well. I was at my daughter's recently and this medication that I'm taking, I have to have a nap in the afternoon. So I was laying down on my daughter's bed and I asked my granddaughter if she could get me a quilt for my nap. And she said, Oh, yes, I have one in my closet. She probably has six in her closet. So she goes running down to her room. And my husband says, 
Papa can help you. No, no, I can do it, she says. So she comes running back to her mother's room and she has this quilt in her arms like she's carrying it like a baby. And he says to her, do you need help? No, I can do it. And she comes running around the corner of the bed and I'm seeing her carrying this. And the look on her face and the pride that she has, she looks at me and she says, this one's very cozy, Granny. I looked at her face and I thought to myself, see that right there. I wish my eyeballs could take a picture of you right there because that's why. So her pride and when I got up from my nap and I went downstairs to see what they were doing, they were playing with a puzzle and she looked right in my face and she said, was that a cozy nap, Granny? Aww. Like, you know what I mean? And I just thought, that's why. So you just hit the nail right on the head. That just made my day. My heart just melted, you know? So sweet. I just, it's so sweet. Out of the mouths of babes or when she comes to my house and I try on her little bed when she comes, I try to make sure there's a different quilt each time. And she'll get into bed and she'll look at me and she'll say, is this a quilt on my bed, Granny? And I'll say, yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> she, she gets in there. This is so cozy. That to me is just <laughs> what it's all about. And I'm sure that her mother would love to put ballerina duvets or something on her bed. But that's what I think of one of the reason I sew. And this made me realize we share another name. I'm also known as Granny. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, my son had an acquaintance when he was in university, and she was from South Africa, and they were over one night, and she kept going on and on about her granny, because that's what she called her grandmother in South Africa. And when they left that night, I looked at my husband and I said, if I'm ever lucky enough, to be a grandmother, I am going to be called Granny. He looked at me and said, what? And I said, the way that she said Granny. And so when Winter was much younger, she used to call me Ganny because she couldn't <laughs> hear her R's. And you know what? Now that she can say her R's, I wish she called me Ganny because uh. I love the way she said Ganny. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Granny. Uh -huh. <laughs> Something else we have in common, Paula. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you make your quilts for? I love giving them to my family. I do donate quilts, and I do love surprising friends with quilts. There's this fabulous lady that's part of a Whippet group that I belong to. With the pandemic, She's unable to visit the seniors in the nursing home. Mm -hmm. So she has been taking her whippet. And you know what she does? She dresses up the whippets and takes them to the windows of the <laughs> seniors in the nursing home and gives them a little show. So she dresses them up as cows and the characters from the Dr. Seuss books. And on the weekend, they were dressed up as Chinese, the ox characters for the 
New Year, like you would not believe it, the outfits that these dogs dress up as. So in the fall, I took her a quilt to say thank you for all the effort that she's putting out mm-hmm. with these extraordinary outfits that she comes up with with these dogs. It's just incredible. Pumpkins, they're dressed up as, <laughs> like, who does that? But she just is trying to lift the senior spirits because the dogs can't come in the nursing home. What are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on a king-size quilt for my daughter. It's a Christmas quilt that she asked me to make. She picked the fabric. She bought the fabric. We've had a little bit of a hiccup already with one of the fabrics that she's selected, but we're back on track. She went back to the drawing board and selected something else. This is not something that is her area of expertise. She has lots of quilts that I've made her, but she doesn't normally go and pick things for herself. So I'm back sewing for that. While she was shopping for this fabric, she bought a motor kit a really cute Christmas quilt for her son's bed it's simple enough it's a Christmas tree shape with just a cream background looks simple enough so she dropped that off when she gave me the other fabric for her bed and often when I'm faced with anything new I always make a sample block first just to make sure that I understand what the pattern is I've done that for years And especially with Rihanna, I always make a sample block just to make sure that she likes the pattern. So with this one, I've made three sample blocks and have failed miserably with each sample block. The little Christmas tree is a composition of one and a half inch by two inch half square rectangle. And I'm telling you, this thing is kicking my butt, and it is not going to happen. I have finally this week made the decision, Granny is not making this for Arthur's <laughs> bed. So I'm going to either ask my daughter-in-law, Lizzie, if she'll make it, and if not, I'm going to pay somebody to make it, but it is not going to be Granny. <laughs> because these little one-and-a-half-inch by two-inch Oscar rectangles are not in my wheelhouse. Wow. Anything finished that small, that tiny, is just not my area of expertise. Again, know your strength, right? Yeah. Know your area of expertise. When I did the first sample, which was just hilarious, like hilarious how bad it was, I sent her a picture and she came back and she said to me, it would be a good challenge for me. And I said, no, an elliptical trainer would be a challenge. <laughs> this is a nightmare. Like, there's a difference. <laughs> oh, you got to have a sense of humor. Oh, you do. <laughs> oh. And my best friend in BC, she's uh, just taken up quilting. And, she, and so I was telling her because I thought she'd get a kick out of it. And she said, what, she didn't even ask permission? She just bought the kit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. The 
describe your sewing area for me? Oh, my sewing area. I'm so lucky, Paula. We live in a small 1940s war house. It's a story and a half. So the half story is the top of the house. The top floor was the master bedroom. That's what really sold us on the house. So this used to be our master bedroom when the children live at home. So slowly we've moved to the main floor. So I now get the whole of this top floor. And I can pretty much let my sewing room explode if I need to. What's beautiful about it is it's lovely when it's raining because you can hear the rain on the rooftops or you can hear the snow or the ice slide off of the roof when you're just up here being quiet by yourself. Or I come up here and listen to podcasts while I sew. You can let yourself sprawl out so I can have things laid out on the bed and I can have my ironing board set up at all times. You don't have to take things down. I can just shut the door and nobody comes up here. The dogs are 7 and 12, so they're too old. They won't do the stairs anymore, so I don't have to worry about them coming up here with me. It's very cozy. I don't sew as much in the summertime. I find it too hot. Even with central air, I still find it muggy up here. Hmm. But in the winter and springtime, I do spend a lot of time up here. I really enjoy it. Nice. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? I would just like to share that I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I was very nervous. I listened to your other podcasts and was really intimidated and was unsure of why you selected me and was unsure of, <laughs> you know, what I could possibly share. And I just thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for doing this for me. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope it's something that you and your family will enjoy for years to come. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.